Hey y'all, Jake Bible here. Thank you for listening to the original podcast recording of Dead Mech that I released way back in 2009. I've had a lot of folks ask for these original recordings, so I thought I'd put them back out there for y'all to enjoy. The episodes will be released weekly for free, but if you don't want to wait, then head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe. Links are in the show notes. Paid subscribers receive access to all 26 episodes right now. And that's not all. Subscribers receive access to early release ebooks, getting them before they even go on sale in my online store or any of the retail sites, plus early access to new audiobooks, exclusive short stories, including the weekly Friday Night Drabble Party, live readings, and so much more. That's jakebible.substack.com. Subscribe now and get all the goods. Now, enjoy a little bit of the past. Thank you. You're listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel, written and performed by Jake Bible. This story is available only as a podcast novel and is not for the faint of heart. If you can't stand blood, gore, graphic violence, foul language, cannibalism, zombie hordes, or sexual situations, well then, you aren't invited to this party. For more details and info, go to jakebible.com. Feel free to leave your mark there. It's only fair. Episode 14, Chapter 7, Part 1. Commander Caprizi could hear the pilots joking and ribbing each other, a sound that always made him feel at ease, no matter the situation. He approached the outer rim of light the mechs shone over the camp when he heard a sound behind him, like shifting pebbles. The commander spun about, his halogen piercing the wasteland darkness. Nothing. He watched for a moment, then turned back to the camp and began to activate his calm when the hands grabbed his arms and covered his mouth. He struggled in vain as he was pulled into the inky blackness of the wasteland. Matthew looked from the dead mech to one and back again. The dead mech pushed the mini mech forward and one clomped over to Matthew's mech. It reached down and yanked the cockpit hatch off, tossing it into the Windy City rubble. Matthew stayed perfectly still as one moved back to the dead mech's side. The debtor's cockpit opened and it reached its massive fist inside, pointing to the zombie pilot, then at Matthew, and back to the zombie pilot. Matthew narrowed his eyes and cleared his throat. Uh I'm not dead, if that's what you're asking. I'm, I'm not a zombie yet. Bisbee stared at the empty storage compartment. Hey, Jethro? Yeah, Biz? Where are the perimeter poles? The commander decided to take a walk and set them up himself. Huh, Bisbee mused. He looked out into the darkness of the wasteland night. Are they active? Yeah, I switched the perimeter on the second he gave me the go-ahead. Bisbee started walking about the camp, his eyes still focused on the wasteland. Okay, so if the perimeter is active, and the commander set up the perimeter, then where's the commander? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, you think? Bisbee snapped. The dead mech pointed to its zombie pilot and back at Matthew again. Matthew shook his head. I don't understand what you want, Matthew said. Your pilot is dead. It's a... Freaking zombie, there isn't anything I can do. The debtor stomped its massive foot, shaking Matthew about in his demolished mech's cockpit. 
It moved closer, grabbing a stray piece of Matthew's mech, shaking the junked part, then tossing it aside. It pointed to Matthew again and waited. My mech is broken? Is, is that it? The debtor pointed to its pilot and then at itself. Matthew stared, then realization dawned. I'm getting nothing, Biz, Jethro said from the transport. I've got sensors at full capacity and nothing. However, the geothermal pocket below us could be messing up the readings. Could be, Bisbee barked. You don't get paid for could be, Jethro. I don't get paid at all, asshole, Jethro snapped back. Bisbee growled and surveyed the darkness once again. You can't have just disappeared. We've barely broken camp. What's up, Biz? Rachel asked, stepping up behind Bisbee. Oh, Rach, I um, didn't hear you come up, Bisbee stuttered. Rachel eyed Bisbee for a moment. What's going on? Bisbee looked away. Matthew's eyes widened in disbelief. You want to be my replacement mech? You want me to get in you? To Matthew, it looked like the dead mech nodded, but that was crazy. Of course, talking to a debtor was crazy also. Not to mention the fact the debtor wasn't ripping him apart and feeding him bit by bit to its zombie pilot. You already have a pilot. Matthew said, and almost before the words had fully left Matthew's mouth, the dead mech reached in, ripping out the zombie pilot from its cockpit. It bent down, shoving the corpse towards Matthew. Harlow uncoupled her schlong from the transport, trying to ignore the banging and growling noises coming from the storage compartment. Shut the fuck up, you deader fucks! She yelled, kicking the storage hatch. Hey, is this racket bothering anyone else? It's bothering me, Thamopolis said. I'd like to sedate the creatures so I can study their new physiology, but I can't seem to find the commander for his approval. Have you seen him? Arlo looked about the camp. Actually, no, I haven't. She tapped her comm. Has anyone seen the commander? That's what we're trying to figure out, Bisbee responded. What do you mean, trying to figure out? Rachel demanded, her eyes narrowing. Where is my father? How the fuck should I know? Bisbee barked. It's not my job to keep tabs on the commanding officer, is it? I was just as busy powering up my mech as you were with yours. When did he go missing? Rachel asked. After I activated the perimeter, Jethro responded. Rachel glared at Bisbee. I thought that was your duty. He decided to take it on himself. I didn't know a thing about it, so back the fuck off. Everybody calm down, Harlow interjected. Shiner pushed its expired zombie pilot towards the living mech pilot. The dense human wasn't understanding his request and Shiner didn't have much time left. He could feel the mental breakdown beginning already. He could last another hour, maybe. He calculated quickly and realized he didn't even have that much time. I don't think you understand how this pilot and mech relationship works, the living mech pilot said. I'm not a debtor. Shiner grew frustrated and tossed the zombie corpse aside, its desiccated form breaking apart as it impacted against the windy city rubble. Matthew flinched and scooted back from the dead mech. Whoa, calm down. No need to start tossing bodies about. The dead mech pointed to its empty cockpit again. Yeah, I don't think that's possible. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd fry my brain. The dead mech stomped the ground with its foot, shaking Matthew about. It leaned in close, over Matthew, both massive fists set on either side of him. 
get in. The debtor's loudspeakers crackled. Matthew did everything in his power to keep from pissing himself. The dead mech stood upright quickly and powered up its plasma cannon. Or die. Are you sure you can't pick him up on the scanners? Rachel asked Jethro. Um, yeah, I'm pretty fucking sure, since that's my fucking job! Jethro shouted over the comm. Hey! Harlow barked. Everyone shut the fuck up! She turned about, then walked to her mech. Where are you going? Bisbee asked. Well, seeing as it's nighttime and pitch fucking dark out there... She grabbed a hold of her mech's leg and started to climb. I figured we should light this place up a bit more. Rachel and Bisbee looked at each other, then sprinted to their mechs, climbing also. Shiner's sensors, though growing weaker, picked up the movement immediately. Coming directly at their position were hundreds upon hundreds of the undead humans. Shiner struggled to power up all of its weapon systems. Connections were becoming difficult. He recalculated and realized the mental deterioration was happening exponentially. He would cease to exist in a matter of minutes. The human pilot held up his hands and Shiner could see the fear. Hey, no need to blast me, okay? Let, let's talk this out a bit more. Shiner pushed one. The mini-mech sprang into action, running past the human and into the rubble. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Jethro yelled. Small lights for the camp is one thing, but you light up those mechs and we'll be spotted a hundred miles away. Spotted by who? Bisbee yelled back. You already said we weren't followed by the ranchers. Yeah, well, I also lost track of the commander, so maybe we shouldn't be relying on me and my tech. Maybe we should slow down and think this through. Jethro's right, Thermopolis agreed. There, there could be other dangers. Like what? Bisbee asked as he and the other pilots lit up the wasteland. Surrounding them were thousands of zombies. Matthew turned about as one streaked by. He watched the mini-mech leap over debris and dodge around piles of concrete before disappearing into Windy City. He felt the earth shake and turned back to the dead mech expecting the worst, but what he found surprised him. The dead mech was down on one knee with one hand placed firmly against the ground. The only description that came to Matthew's mind was that the thing looked sick. The dead mech weakly pointed to its cockpit again. Gunfire erupted deep within the burned-out city and Matthew flinched. Then Matthew heard them. Let's light him up! Bisbee yelled, his finger on the trigger. No, wait! Thermopolis cried. Look at them! Look closely! She ran, pointing to the figures that looked like zombies, waving up at the mechs. Check your screens! Harlow zoomed in on part of the horde surrounding them and gasped. What the fuck? What am I looking at here, Doc? Bisbee asked. Are those people? Zombie? Zombies? What? What are they? They're our way back home, Commander Caprizi interrupted over the comm. Power down, pilots. I've got some people you need to meet. Caprizi stepped out from the front of the horde. Shiner heard more gunfire, but didn't have the capabilities to connect with one anymore. The mini-mech was on its own. The human began to back away from the city-state until he bumped up against Shiner's leg. Without turning around, the human asked, Debtors are coming, aren't they? Shiner tapped the ground to get the human's attention. The pilot turned about and looked at Shiner. It took nearly all of his willpower to point, one last time, at his cockpit. The human glanced warily at Windy City, then back at Shiner. Yeah, I think I may be coming around, the human said.
Matthew grabbed a hold of the dead mech's leg and started to climb. He didn't have to go far since the thing was doubled over. Matthew strapped in and looked about the cockpit. It was an old one, lacking in a lot of the upgrades and modifications Matthew was used to. Okay, now what? Matthew asked. The cockpit closed and the cerebral integration panel lit up. Seriously? What's to stop you from frying my brain? The dead mech shook and placed both fists on the ground. The cockpit panels flickered, but held. Matthew watched one dash from the rubble, firing. Power down, pilots! Now! Caprizi ordered. Sir, I don't... Bisby started. I don't want to hear it, Biz. Shut down your mech and get your ass on the ground. It goes for you too, pilots Harlow and Caprizi. Yes, sir, the pilots responded, opening their cockpits and descending from their mechs. Jethro, you there? Yes, Commander, Jethro responded. Good. Shut those mech lights off. A second passed and the floodlights ceased, returning the camp to its minimally lit state. Excellent. Now slowly pull the geothermal cable up, and I mean slowly. Sir, Jethro asked, puzzled. You heard me, mechanic. Slowly. Matthew hesitated, closed his eyes, then activated the cerebral integration system. His head snapped back for a moment, and he could feel the debtor's consciousness meld with his own. And surprisingly, it wasn't unpleasant. Massive bits of data began to stream through his mind, but it was all buffered and controlled by the mech's AI. The living mech. And its name was Shiner. Holy shit! Matthew gasped. You've got quite a brain. Why do I have the feeling you could open up that data stream and liquefy my mind in a nanosecond? B -b because I... Cam, Shiner stuttered into Matthew's mind. Caprizi walked fully into the camp, gesturing behind him. A tall, what looked like a badly disfigured man, stepped forward, carrying what was obviously a child. A second man followed, carrying another child. A third man, carrying a woman, was last. Doctor, Caprizi called. Right here, sir, Thermopolis answered, bag in hand, already running towards the commander. Are they hurt? Yes, the woman quite badly, Caprizi affirmed, and it's our fault. What? Our fault? Rachel asked, running to her father and embracing him strongly. Yes, our fault. We're right on top of a small city of thousands, the commander answered. You must be prepared, Shiner stuttered into Matthew's mind, into their mind. You must understand. You must learn it all. One settled next to Shiner and grasped the cable offered, plugging it into its modified data jack, while still continuing to fire in the direction of the approaching zombies. Prepared? Understand? What do you mean? I'm not sure I like where this is... Matthew trailed off as all of Shiner's recorded memories streamed into his consciousness. And like that, without even a pinch... It was over, and Matthew did understand. Holy shit! You're the first! You're the first dead mech! You gotta be shitting me, Bisbee barked. There were thousands of people out here. We'd know about it. Caprizi eyed Bisbee. Really, Biz? Why is that? When was the last time you were this deep in the waste? Well, I, um... Bisbee faltered. Thousands? Seriously? Yes, Biz. Thousands and we shot a hole and dropped a cable through the middle of them. We're lucky there weren't more hurt. Not that lucky, 
Thamopola said, checking the injured woman laid out upon a camp table. She's in bad shape, sir. Thamopolis looked up at Caprizi gravely. Do what you can, doctor. Matthew felt Shiner lift walls, allowing all data to be shared between the two consciousnesses. The more Matthew absorbed, the more he understood, and he kept understanding until all but one wall was lifted. Mentally and physically, Matthew took a deep breath. What are you hiding? Not now, Shiner responded, his stutter gone as communication between the two became instantaneous. We must decide whether to flee or fight. Matthew now connected with every single bit of scanner and sensor data, assessed the numbers and the tactical situation at hand. Let's kill them all. The new mech stepped into Windy City. Caprizi beckoned behind him, and a very tall, muscular man stepped forward. The pilot studied him closely. His skin seemed leathery and strange. His eyes set back, and the flesh about them separated. This is Mastolo. While apparently they do not have a leader, he speaks for them all when they do have to interact topside, Caprizi introduced. The man nodded hello, and Harlow gasped. Is that skin you're wearing? she asked. Bisbee and Rachel both looked closer at the man and at the others behind. That's not just skin. That's deader skin, Bisbee said. Yes, it is, Mastolo answered. Matthew didn't need to ready his weapon system. He didn't need to check sensors. Didn't need to scan thermals or listen for movement. Thanks to Shiner, he already had. He no longer piloted a mech, but was a mech. The former instantaneous cerebral integration he was used to now seemed like quicksand compared to the full integration he was experiencing. Shiner Matthew leapt and dove over the rubble, tucked and rolled, coming up firing into the horde of undead. The creatures swarmed the mech, but Matthew took full advantage of his new symbiosis, slashing, smashing, and blasting the creatures into oblivion. Caprizi nodded at Mastolo, gesturing towards the transport. Let's speak inside, if you don't mind. It'll be more comfortable. Caprizi looked towards Thermopolis as she checked the wounded. Harlow right behind her, taking notes and setting up triage supplies. I guess the only pilot to join us will be my daughter, Rachel. Hey! What about me? Bisbee asked. I believe you volunteered for first watch, Biz. Caprizi smiled. What? Are you fucking... Bisbee exploded but was quickly interrupted by Caprizi. Calm down, pilot. Caprizi grinned. I'll have Jethro mic the meeting and you can listen on your own. Okay. Fine. Shiner Matthew barked out orders to one, using the mini-mech to divide and confuse the zombies, herding them into smaller, more manageable groups. The speed and exhilaration Matthew felt was intoxicating, and he could still tell Shiner was awed by the new sensations, the new depth of power and control they both had. Are you digging this or what? Matthew laughed, decapitating a dozen debtors with one swipe while mowing down another twenty with his fifty millimeter. Matthew felt Shiner probe his memory for the definition of digging before responding. Emotional responses are very new to me, but yes, I am digging this. Rachel helped the commander set up an impromptu meeting space in the back of the transport, complete with collapsible table and folding chairs. They all took their seats as Jethro rolled to the table, setting a conference disc in the middle so Bisbee could join. First, I cannot apologize enough for the hurt we have caused your people, Caprizi said to Mastolo. Thank you, but there was no way you could know, Mastolo said. He noticed Jethro eyeing his skin and smiled. 
You wonder why we wear the dead skin. Jethro nodded apologetically. It's quite simple, really, Mastelow began. One became overwhelmed as a wave of zombies overpowered it, knocking the mini-mech to the ground. It struggled against the weight, but the undead were too much, and it became pinned to the smoldering earth. Shiner Matthew blasted a path to the helpless machine and began tossing debtors aside by the handful until the mini-mech was free enough to right itself and continue fighting. Matthew was puzzled by the lack of digital communication between Shiner and the mini-mech. Why don't we command it by calm? Matthew asked. Because that would open a path that must remain closed and guarded. Shiner responded. When my people were first driven deep into the wasteland, we became savages. Worse than the dead things, even. We turned on our own, committing unspeakable atrocities. Mastolo paused, looking each person seated in the eye. We broke into different groups, splintered, until we were just small tribes battling each other for the tiniest bit of the meager resources the wasteland held. But wouldn't it have made more sense to band together against the debtors? Rachel asked. Let him continue, baby girl, Freezy said. Mastolo smiled. Of course, but sense was sorely lacking during those times. Madness was what ruled. A path to what? Matthew asked Shiner while still annihilating the swarming zombies. No, that's not it, is it? I should ask a path from what? The Outsider. Shiner responded, switching back to the plasma cannons, giving the 50 millimeters a chance to cool down. Its mind isn't like mine, or like yours, or like ours. It's different. Dangerous. Shiner searched for a nanosecond. It's... off. Matthew laughed. Off? That's a good one coming from a debtor. Matthew felt the offense. Sorry, former debtor. I was never dead. My pilot was. Can you imagine what that was like? Born into death? One tribe figured out how to hide from the dead ones by becoming the dead ones, Mastelow continued. Camouflage? By wearing their skins? Rachel asked. How'd they avoid contamination? Trial and error, unfortunately. But eventually they figured out how to cure the skins and piece them together. Mastelow extended his arm towards Rachel and the pilot pulled back instinctively. I assure you, there is zero risk. This skin was worn by my father and by his father before that, with some tailoring and repairs, of course. Rachel reached out tentatively and stroked the skin. That's tough. Mastelow smiled. Like armor. The zombies began to retreat, falling back deeper into Windy City, but Shiner Matthew pursued, with one taking point. This outsider, does it have anything to do with the dead mechs starting to think? Matthew asked. No, that process had already begun, but it used the mechs to link across the wasteland, Shiner responded, sending three RPGs ahead of the zombie horde, cutting off their retreat, forcing them back towards the new mech. Link? Matthew asked, firing up the 50 millimeters again. Communications. It used the dead mechs as relays, boosting its signal. Row upon row of zombies fell, finally, truly dead. But the physical protection the skins afford is secondary to the sensory protection, Mastelow continued. Sensory? Jethro asked. Yes, the dead ones can't tell us apart from their own while we are dressed this way. They cannot smell us or see the physical differences. We blend with the dead. That's pretty freaking cool, Jethro said. Analog stealth wear. 
which is why we haven't known about the tens of thousands of your people residing out here, Caprizi smiled. Unless captured, your people appear to be just more zombies roaming the wasteland. Exactly, Mastelo said. That's all good, but so what? Bisbee interrupted. <laughs> Looks like we got them all, Matthew said. Readings do confirm this, Shiner responded. Good, because I have to take a leak, Matthew said, reaching to unstrap himself. That I cannot allow, Shiner responded. Matthew took a mental step back. Um, what? If you disengage, I will cease to exist, Shiner answered. I do not want to cease to exist. Um, yeah, are you saying I'm stuck in here forever? No, not forever. Only until we can get assistance with our problem. Our problem? It sounds like your problem. I'm sorry, but I'm not pissing in a mech cockpit my whole life. Maybe take your head out of fight mode and start thinking tactically, Rachel scolded Bisbee over the comm. It's right in front of your face. In front of... Oh, I get it, Bisbee responded, looking at his scanners. According to the equipment, he was looking at thousands of zombies standing about the camp, not thousands of people. An invisible army. You may be dumb, but you sure are slow, Rachel quipped. Ha ha, girly. You seem to forget that I was squashing debtors while you were wearing your first training bra. So feel free to have a cup of shut the fuck up. I've observed the comings and goings of your base and believe you have a person qualified to fix our problem, Shiner said. You what? Right. You are invisible to sensors. Did you program those modifications yourself? Matthew asked. Yes. Of course. Of course you did, Matthew said. And you think Jay, I assume that's who you're talking about, can help us? Yes, Shiner answered. Well, then we need to find Jay. He would be back at your base, wouldn't he? Um, no, well, I don't know. He was in Foggy Bottom last I knew. But Foggy Bottom fell, Shiner responded. Caprizi looked at Mastelo carefully. So this is the part where we figure out what each other has to offer. Mastelo grinned. Yes, I believe it is. The two leaders eyed one another, each carefully sizing up the other. Rachel and Jethro looked from Caprizi to Mastelo and back to Caprizi. Okay, and... Rachel interrupted. They have an army of thousands we could use to take our base back. What do we have to offer them? Mastelo, I guess that's for you to answer. Caprizi said. Mastelo laughed. Well, a future for my people outside the deep waste, of course. Foggy Bottom fell? You mean like Windy City? Matthew asked, horrified. I'm from Foggy Bottom. I, I still have family there, some childhood friends. It couldn't have just fallen. Not like Windy City. Windy City refused to cooperate, and they were destroyed for it, Shiner responded. Foggy Bottom was inoculated. That is what I have been able to gather when I have checked the relay net. Before finding you, there was an incident with mech pilots. They escaped, but all trace was lost when the UDC transports pursuing them were destroyed, and the waste storm hit their last known coordinates. And how can we help you achieve that future? Caprizi asked. For generations we have been beset upon by other denizens of the wasteland, Mastelo said. Yeah, but you easily outnumber them, Bisbee said over the con. 
Mastola looked at the conference disc and leaned in. Yes, but we are not a warring people. We have hidden our society underground to avoid direct conflict. So what good are you to us? Bisbee snapped. Pilot, Caprizi growled. It's a valid point, Commander. We will give you your numbers. You will teach us to fight in exchange for sanctuary and protection. Hey, can we use the mech relays ourselves? Matthew asked. Not without the outsider taking notice, China responded as the new mech left the Windy City rubble and headed out into the wasteland. So, what can it do? Does it control the dead mechs? No, but it controls the people, China answered. People? What do you mean? Matthew asked. One took its place next to Shiner Matthew, its weapons ready. Shiner Matthew placed a massive hand upon one's frame, calming the twitchy mini-mech. Those inoculated. They are under direct control of the outsider. That is why it needs the relays, answered Shiner. Sounds pretty one-sided, if you ask me, Bisbee said. Pilot Bisbee, please get off the comm, Caprizi ordered. Sir, we'll do all the work. They get trained, and then we trust them to help us? Come on! Get off the comm, Caprizi growled. Bisbee grunted. Yes, sir. He does have a point, Rachel said. Not you too, baby girl. Commander, I do not want to create strife amongst your people, Mastolo said, standing and nodding to Rachel and Jethro. I must check on my wounded. Good evening to you all. Mastolo left Rachel and Jethro to Caprizi's glare. Listen, Matthew started. I'm always listening. There is no separation of our thoughts, Shiner interrupted. It's an expression. Anyway, maybe we can tap into the relay net and find my friends. It's worth a shot. Shiner paused for a millisecond. It may be worth the risk. I still don't see what the risk is, Matthew said, frustrated. If the outsider can't control us, then what's the worst it can do? It can send UDC transports after us. We are just one mech. With enough transports, the outsider can take us down. Well, they'd have to catch us first, wouldn't they? Rachel spoke first, ignoring her father's glare. We know nothing about Mastolo and those... Skinners. I trust him, Caprizi said. Why? Because he didn't kill you? Come on, Papa Bear. This isn't smart. Caprizi stood suddenly, anger clouding his features. It's all we have! We lost the fucking base. Had to tuck tail and run like a bunch of bitches. I'm not a bitch. And if there is a chance to march back there and fucking kill every goddamn last one of those rancher motherfuckers and take our base back, then I'm willing to take that fucking chance. Shiner Matthew broke into a run, quickly upping the pace until they were sprinting across the nighttime landscape of the wasteland. We hook into the relay net while we're moving. As soon as we have the info we need, we disconnect, then adjust course. The outsider may have a general idea, but the wasteland is a mighty big place, and we'll be miles away before anything gets remotely close to us. Fine, but if the outsider sees us, it will be angered. It holds grudges. It will not rest until it finds us and destroys us, Shiner warned. Welcome to life. Thermopolis held her head in her hands not bothering to remove the surgical gloves, blood smearing her face and hair. Mastolo approached and touched her shoulder. Thermopolis jumped, falling from the bench she sat upon and onto the hard ground. Forgive me, Mastolo said. I didn't mean to startle you. 
I was. He trailed off, seeing the blood-stained sheet-covered silhouette on the camp table. She has passed? Yes, Thermopolis answered quietly. I'm sorry. I did what I could, but she bled out too quickly. Mastolo lifted the body into his arms and walked quietly into the dark. How do we connect? Matthew asked, barely containing his excitement at the sensation of night running without feeling blind. We already are, Shiner responded. I've been conducting a systematic search of all information relating to your friends while you have been busy. Shiner searched Matthew's mind. Joyriding. Well, move that brain over, Shiner, my boy, and let's see what we can find together. Matthew opened his consciousness to the relay path Shiner had opened. He instantly cringed at the death and decay the relay net was built upon. Jesus, how do you stand this? I try not to. Jethro looked away while Rachel stood and crossed to her father. Hey, I understand. I truly do. That base was my home, too. The only home I've ever known. I want it back, but rushing into this is not the way to do it. Caprizi snorted. Really? Are you expecting a different army to fall into our laps? Don't take that tone with me, mister, Rachel scolded playfully, teasing a slight smile from the commander's lips. I'm not saying it isn't a good idea, but let's not sign the treaty right now. We all need to talk this plan over. The pain came sudden and strong, making Matthew take a mental stumble. What the fuck? Ignore it, Shiner said. It isn't real. It felt fucking real. Ow! Matthew responded. What was that? The outsider. We're being tested. I assure you the pain isn't real. It's just your human brain's way of interpreting the data. A digital bitch slap? Shiner processed. Yes, that would be a good way of putting it. The attack came again, but Matthew was prepared, seeing it for what it was. Whatever the outsider is, it's fucking big, Matthew stated, and insane, Shiner finished the thought. Yeah. Carlo sat next to Thermopolis. I patched the kids up. They'll, they'll be fine. Their people already took them home. Thermopolis didn't respond, her head back in her hands. Come on, let's get you cleaned up. Harlow went to stand, but Thermopolis slumped against her, shaking with sobs. Oh, Doc, shh, Harlow soothed, putting her arm about Thermopolis's shoulders, hugging her. Shh, you, you did what you could. I'm not cut out for this, Thermopolis cried. I'm a doctor. This is war. This, this is hell. Bullshit, Caprizi said, stepping from the transport. You're as much cut out for this as I am. Matthew scanned the relay, cringing less and less each time his consciousness brushed against a debtor's. The outsider remained in ever-looming presence, prodding and testing Matthew Shiner, trying to figure out the new mech. God, that's just fucking annoying, Matthew said. Yes, it is, Shiner agreed, and it's getting closer to tracking us down. We cannot keep searching blindly for information. That could take a lifetime. You're right, Matthew sighed. You take over physically. I'm diving into the data. I am quite against that. It is too dangerous, Shiner warned. Hey, I'm human. We're stupid when it comes to danger. We are all here because we are made of something different, Caprizi said, approaching Thermopolis and Harlow. I don't disagree, Doctor. This is hell. But it is what each of us was born for. This is our moment in time. We make the future. 
And while the future may not be completely dead, it's on its way, and it's up to us to keep it alive. Caprizi turned and looked up at Bisbee's mech, then at Rachel, as she helped Jethro wheel out of the transport. We write the history people will remember, so let's write it as a win. This must be what it's like to fly, Matthew thought as he surfed the relay data, looking for any sign of what may have happened to Jay and the others. He dove into each dead mech's consciousness, just as he would in battle, blasting and slashing his way through the info until he was sure there was nothing there. Be careful, Matthew, Shiner warned. You're enraging half the wasteland right now. Yeah, well, I'm a bit pissed off too, so fuck him. He was moving so quickly now he almost missed the faint consciousness that was barely hanging on. They all watched Caprizi, Bisbee looking down from his mech, Rachel and Jethro by the transport, Harlow and Thomopolis seated on the camp bench, and Caprizi locked eyes with each of them in turn. I know you're all scared. Hell, I'm shitting bricks right now, but every fiber of my being is saying that this is the right decision. This is the only decision, he said, shoulders square, back straight, the picture of confidence. But I will not commit any of you to something you are not committed to yourselves. He looked at each again and strode back to the transport. Whoa, that's different, Matthew said, exploring the weak consciousness. Is it a debtor? I'm not sure, Shiner answered. Your assessment is correct. This one is different. Is it the outsider? No. Well, I'm going in. Be careful. It does not feel like a trap, but it's foreign enough that I may not be able to extract you if needed. Understood, Matthew said as he pushed forward. Immediately he saw that there were two consciousnesses present. One, a very stripped-down, basic dead mech, and the other, a human mind. A human mind that Matthew knew very well. Holy shit! Masters? Hold on, Commander. Bisbee grumbled. As much as I don't like this, you're right. This is the only decision before us. I'm in. Me too, Harlow said. I ain't got nothing better to do, Jethro added. You know I'll always have your back, Papa Bear, Rachel smiled. Caprizi turned to Thomopolis. Doctor, what do you say? Thomopolis wiped at her eyes and took a deep breath. She stripped the bloody gloves from her hands and tossed them on the ground, looking Caprizi squarely in the eyes. Well, someone has to patch you idiots up when this all goes to shit. You have been listening to Jake Bible's Dead Mech, the world's first Drabble novel. The preceding episode was recorded and produced by the author. The intro music was Miles and Miles by Lake Crest. Outro music is destroyed by the Eternal. Both tracks available at podsafeaudio.com. Title graphic by Ed Delaney. Find him at peculiarcomics.com. This recording is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works United States 3.0 License. You can share it, copy it, and give it to anyone you want. Just don't edit it, change it, or try to make any money off it without direct permission from the author. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast of Dead Mech.
Don't want to wait until next week for a new episode? Go subscribe at jakebible.substack.com and you'll get access to all episodes right now. Or you can go to my website or any major retailer and get the audiobook narrated by Julie Hoverson. You can also get the ebook, which is free on all major retailer sites, as well as my own store. Go to jakebible.com for more info. Thanks, y'all. Cheers.